Good to see each of you here today. Let me welcome you with some announcements that we need to, for the life of the church. Uh, nominations meeting is today at 4 o'clock. We'll meet here in the Wesley Davenport classroom. If you're on the nominations committee or lay leadership committee, please be present. We have a lot of work to do this year. Coming up, mark your calendars for the annual Pancake Supper, which is September the 17th at 5.30. This is the United Methodist Men's fundraiser they have every year. I want you to put that down. Make sure you're present to come and eat and have good fellowship. Tonight, the mission kids will continue uh, preschool through elementary to meet in the sanctuary from 5.30 to 7 to prepare for the children's Sabbath service which is another thing I want you to put on your calendars. September the 29th, Sunday at 10 o'clock is a fifth Sunday for our church and we will worship, combined worship here in the sanctuary. And the, and the uh, service will be led by our children like, like it was last year. And I hope you'll invite uh, uh, your friends and family to come and see the children as they bring the, uh, the service for us. And then after the service, we will have a covered dish lunch in the Family Life Center. Meat and drinks will be provided by the church, and you're just asked to bring a side dish to share. So I hope you'll be present for uh, this at September 29th, Sunday at 10 a.m. One reminder uh, for charge conference uh, folks who have forms uh, they either they've been handed forms or they have to have reports. If you'll start submitting these to the office, it sure will help us as we begin to uh, get all this stuff together for our charge conference. All right, that's all announcements I have. Let us begin our worship together.
with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. Blessed Lord, who has caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may hear, read, learn, and inwardly digest by patience and comfort thy holy word, so we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, found in the Savior, Christ our Lord. Amen. affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. and let our children come forth for our children's time.
Big group this morning. Where is everybody? School wear you out. Nobody can make it back. How's school going? Going good? I take that as a yes. <laughs> what is this? Sea salt, right, or salt. What do you use salt for? No, do you know what salt is? What do you use it for? You put it on something? Pizza definitely has salt in it. That's, that's right. Salt makes everything a little bit better, doesn't it? We're not supposed to have too much of it, but imagine if we didn't have salt in our pizza or in our ketchup or our popcorn or any of that. Salt adds flavor. But did you know there's other things that you can use salt for? I didn't know all these things. But when I started looking, there's over 14,000 different documented things that they use salt in. They use salt in our clothes, like your shirt, Noah. They put salt in that dye that they make your clothes with so that it doesn't fade when they wash it. They use salt in leather. That's how they soften it to make our shoes and our belts. And we use it for food a lot, too. But salt isn't something new. Salt's been around a long time. Even when Jesus was here on the earth, salt was a very important thing. In fact, throughout times, there's been times where they've paid people with salt. How do you, you feel about that? What if you did all your chores and your allowance was a bag of salt? Would that be good? If it was black salt, it might work. Okay. That would that'd be a rare salt. I give you that. No doubt about that. I think that's called pepper. But <laughs> either way, you're right. Salt is important, but we wouldn't want to just have salt. But Jesus says, he says that we're the salt of the earth. What do you think that means? Any idea? What do you think it means? Right, and we said we put salt on our plate to make it more flavorful. You think we can all make the earth a little more flavorful? Does that make sense? Can we make it a little bit more enjoyable to be here? Yeah, and that's what Jesus is saying. And, and he says, um, salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with, with each other. I think what he's saying is that we should, we should flavor the world and make it a better place because we're in it. Just like salt does good things for us while we're here. So uh, we're going to say a quick prayer and then we'll get back to our seats, okay? Bow our heads. Dear Lord, thank you for these children and thank you for the opportunity to give us a chance to come together this morning. Thank you for giving us the analogy of salt and help us to remember to be salty for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us bow our heads for prayer. O God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O Lord, you have searched us and known us, and yet you still call us to be your own. From the beginning of life until now, you have surrounded us with your love, and you've sustained us day by day. And we're in awe of that, and we are so blessed. And so we come this day to offer our praises to you, to offer our thanksgiving, but also to confess our sins and ask for your forgiveness. How easy we come to these words of comfort and enlightenment. How quickly we ask for your favor. We accept it when you give us what we want, but we do not take up the fullness of discipleship when we realize how much it costs. We're trying to pick and choose from your hands, O oh Lord, for the selfishness that denies commitment, for our sin of rejecting you. Forgive us, good God. Shape and form us again into the image for which we were made that we might give you delight. May the Holy Spirit, who has enabled your people throughout the ages to share the faith and bring encouragement, may that same Spirit help us to realize that we're free by your grace to also to encourage and to go forth and to share in your strength the good news of salvation to all those who do not yet know it. And for all the freedom which is ours, we know that there are things we cannot change, yet we know that you are a God of mercy and of compassion. And so because of that, we ask that you would receive into your care those whom we've named with our prayer list and those that we name in our hearts now. Extend your hand of healing to the sick, your peace to those who are troubled, and your strength to those who are weak. Give us quiet minds and hearts to accept your will. And grant what we ask, because we ask in the name of Jesus our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward.
Please be seated. Luke chapter 14, verse 34, Jesus said these words. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the great privilege to be here in this place. We know your spirit drew us here. We thank you that we responded and were willing and obedient to that movement of the spirit in our life this morning. We pray that that same spirit would help us to understand how we can be salty Christians and how that can affect the world around us in positive ways. We pray in your name. Amen. One of the worst battles of the American Civil War occurred on October the 2nd, 1864. 2,800 Confederate soldiers defended the town that was attacked by 4,500 Union soldiers. There was a day of intense fighting and, uh, and shots continued through the night uh, muffling the cries of the wounded soldiers. One of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War was fought over a town called Saltville, Virginia. Saltville, Virginia is the, was the largest supplier of salt to the Confederate Army. You might ask, how can salt be that valuable? Well, just think about it this way. As you already heard a little bit in our children's sermon, 40 million tons of salt are required every year just to fill this country's needs. But salt has been around for a long time and has been expressed in many ways. In, it, in ancient Greece, it was exchanged for work. And it gave rise to an expression which you have probably said yourself, not worth his salt. And special salt rations were given to Roman soldiers. And they were known by a Latin word, which is the forerunner of the English word salary. Salary. The human body contains four ounces of salt, that's all. But without it, muscles won't contract, blood won't circulate, food won't digest, and the heart won't beat at all. Without a doubt, salt is the essence of life. And so Jesus said to his followers, you are the salt of the earth, and you must remain the salt of the earth. You must keep your saltiness. What does that mean? Salt is likened to character by our Lord. Uh, and what we need, I believe, more than anything today is probably more salty Christians. Uh, your impact on your family and your community, your sphere of influence, is only as positive, really, as your saltiness in Christ. It's a key, I believe, to character, especially Christian character. And a salty character has really the same effects as salt has. Uh, salt adds flavoring. Salt acts as a preservative. Salt melts ice. And salt heals wounds. And when we have a salty character, uh, a Christian salty character, we will also do those things. For example, salt adds flavoring. I don't know if you know this or not, but it doesn't take a lot of salt uh, to make food better. Too much salt, it becomes inedible. Salt in the right quantity is what the Lord is talking about. Did you know that salt is really an interesting mineral in a lot of other ways? For example, the saltiest product on McDonald's menu is not the fries. It's the milkshakes because salt makes a sweet thing taste sweeter. Too much salt, as I said, can make you sick, yet without salt, you can die. So salt must be used in the right quantity, and the Lord wants us to use our salty character in just the right quantity, at just the right time, to affect change in our world. And it doesn't take a lot of salt, as I've already alluded to. It doesn't take, really, a lot of Christians being Christian 
to make a difference in the world. Uh, Jesus, as you know, said that uh, a cup of water, just a cup of water given in his name would not lose his reward. Jesus himself fed the multitude with only a few fishes and loaves. Uh, Paul said that when he was weak, he was really the strongest, you see. The Lord wants us to know that even though we might seem small against the world, the power of God working through us can do a lot to change the world, just like salt makes a big difference, a little bit of salt. Just a living in obedience to God is really all the flavoring needed to change the world for God. I really believe that many believers are powerless against the world because they, they, they struggle too much. And being a salty Christian isn't about struggling. It's really about yielding. It's, it's about yielding to the Holy Spirit. And when God works through you because you've been yielded to the Holy Spirit, uh, even your embrace, just a simple embrace, can heal a broken, a broken heart. Uh, I think way too many Christians today are more concerned about the things they don't do <laughs> instead of by what they should be doing, service and praying and loving each other. And it seems to me like that if it doesn't make much sense just to be worried about, say, things in our own life if we fail to walk in love with our neighbor in their life. So, so first and foremost, a salty Christian adds just the right flavoring to the world around them. Now the second thing I think that a salty Christian does is, it, is a salty Christian acts like a preservative. Uh, now, if you remember, as, uh, as has been alluded to and said, salt in the days of Jesus was used for many things. Uh, newborn babies were rubbed with salt. A grain of salt placed in a tooth uh, cavity was the usual remedy for a toothache. And of course, salt has been used forever for preserving meat and fish. Well, the primary source of salt in Jesus' day was the Dead Sea. Now, there was nothing known about refining salt in those days. So it was difficult to tell the difference between the salt and the white sand on the shores of the Dead Sea. And so what really they called salt was a mixture of salt and sand. And sometimes it was more salt than sand, and other times it was more sand than salt. And when it was more sand than salt, it is, as Jesus said, flavorless. It had lost its flavor and therefore it was good for nothing except to be cast out. You see, as long as we have that saltiness of Christ Jesus' character around us and with us and in us and project that to the world, I believe we preserve things. In fact, I believe that if it weren't for salty believers, the world would be completely filled with corruption and decay. But it's not the case. The world is being helped by the Holy Spirit working through salty Christians. That's how valuable your stand in the Lord is, however small it might seem. I do believe that total collapse of society is being held at bay because of salty Christians. The third thing is salt can melt ice, and that's a fascinating thing in itself. The whole way that salt works is fascinating, really, if you think about it, when you put salt in some food you're preparing, it makes this contribution. And then you don't see it. It seems to have disappeared. Uh, salt is used this way in many processes. And once it's used, it disappears, just like you can't see the salt in the leather or the clothes. In the same way, Christians who are the salt of the earth should not hesitate to give themselves without needing to be seen. They don't need to be recognized and seen. They just need to do the work of a salty Christian, the work of the character of Christ. And as we take on the character of salt, uh, many things will happen. But there are two things that will happen to those who are non-believers. One is our conduct will help to melt their cold hearts, okay? And our character will bring indictment against their sin. Now, let me illustrate this with something from nature. 
On a cold winter day, the stream can be solidly frozen. The sun can go up in the sky, and as it beats down, it performs two feats at the same time. For one, it starts to melt the ice. The water begins to flow. But on the other hand, it also dries out the banks and causing them to harden. That's really a fascinating thing if you think about it. That the ice becomes liquid and the bank that was wet becomes dry. Well, you see, likewise, people are going to be melted by your saltiness while others will be hardened by it. The Lord wants us to bring the salt, to bring our salty Christian character, and then let God decide the judgment. That's a very important aspect of a salty Christian character. Finally, salt heals wounds. Ancient remedies for wounds include pouring salt as an antiseptic. You see, many people are cut to the quick by sin. And the only remedy is the character of a salty Christian. The impact of a spirit-filled believer, I believe, is life-changing. And the Great Commission still stands today. We're to go out and to make new disciples for Christ. We can only do that if we bring to them and to their world and their life the salty character of Christ. So how do we bind up the brokenhearted? We can only bind them up if we bring them to cure. The cure is Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. The cure is administered. When his people carry forth the salt to set the captives free. We've looked at four effects of salt. It flavors life. It preserves the world against total decay. It melts the cold heart. And it offers grace to those who are wounded. My friends, are you a salty Christian? In the early days of the church, there was a custom. Uh, Christians who had fallen away before they could be received back into fellowship would lie on the ground, prostrate themselves before the fellowship and would say, trample on me for I am salt that has lost its saltiness. What about us? Have we lost our saltiness? Do we fail to stand up and be seen and counted as Christians? Do we f offer the salty character to the world? Uh, are we salty Christians? Salty Christians add flavor to life so that it can be lived abundantly. Salty Christians stem the tide of decay in society. Salty Christians melt hard hearts. And salty Christians offer grace to the wounded. Seems to me like more than ever we need to uphold and to honor those among us who are salty Christians. Uh, yesterday I had the great honor and privilege to be part of the dedication service for Leonard Farrington. Leonard Farrington, when he was in, as a young man, uh, uh, he was heard that the, he was 17 years old and he heard that the, the country was at war, that the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor. Lynn was, when he heard this news, Lynn was in a, a place and he was supposed to be there. And as soon as he heard the news, he left that place and went immediately to see if he could join. He was able to join. He spent the next five years in the Japanese uh, war theater, not seeing his family. They didn't even know if he lived or died uh, during that time. He came back home after that. He was a strong and fierce patriot, a strong and fierce uh, supporter of his church. He was a Methodist, and he was a strong Christian in his faith. On 9-11, he went to the, to the selective service office, the recruiting office, asked if he could volunteer and join the Army. He had been a Navy man in World War II. The, the people looked at him and said, you, are you crazy? You're 79 years old. 
He said, just give me a chance to fight those terrorists. Well, of course, they wouldn't let him join. So he grabbed his flag and he went over to the bridge that's overpass of I-77 at Rock Hill and Fort Mill. He stood there waving his flag. He stood there until one arm get tired waving, he'd put it in his other arm. And he stood there and waved all day long on 9-11, 79 years old. People honked their horns. People shouted, waved back. A newsman showed up to find out and get his story. Leonard Farrington said, get off this bridge. This is not a publicity stunt. This, I'm not doing this for, for any reason except that I love my God and I love my country. And he, said, and he continued to wave that flag. He waved that flag every 9-11. You may have seen something about this in the news. Until he could no longer wave it anymore because of his health. His wife went out and waved the flag that year. And then after that, Rolling Thunder, a motorcycle, a veterans group, went out and waved the flag. He then died in January of 2012. They waved the flag in September of 2012. Uh, yesterday, uh, by proclamation of the, uh, the state and house legislature and the governor, that bridge was renamed Patriot Leonard A. Farrington Memorial Bridge. You should see when you're over there on I-77, look for the plaques. And I was greatly honored to present uh, the, uh, the road sign to his widow, Betty. And it was in the church. The ceremony was in the church. She called together. We had Boy Scouts. We had the police honor guard. We had all kind of local politicians. And a church full of people and veterans and rolling thunder. And was lifted up over and over and over. Leonard Farrington's salty character who loved God and loved his country more than anything else. And I thought, this is the kind of salty character we need more of. He never failed in his love for God and his love for the country. Friends, you must be salty Christians in this day and age more than ever. You have got to add flavor to the life of those around you so they can learn how to live abundantly. You've got to stem the tide of decay in society. It requires you to have courage and conviction and not doing stuff for a publicity stunt, but doing it because of the conviction you have. A salty Christian can melt any hard heart, and a salty Christian always offers grace to the wounded. I pray that each one of you will renew your efforts to be a salty Christian in our world today. I pray for you and for our world. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn and smile at you this day. May the Lord give you his peace.